listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25 minutes and change to study the Word of God alongside us. For those of you that may be joining for the very first time, first of all, welcome. And second, we are in the middle of a series titled, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? There are a lot of hoods represented in scripture. And so we opened off this series by studying motherhood. And then last week we dove into uh, servanthood. And we kind of broke that into two because the Bible has a lot to say about serving. Jesus himself, the Son of God, came not to be served, but to serve. And so we must understand and have that perspective. And so today we're going to be talking about another hood that actually is firmly rooted in our identity. And so my hope here today is that as I share these scriptures, that you're jotting them down, that you're taking note of them, and you're seeking and searching these out for yourself. But my hope is that you have a perspective change, a paradigm shift in the way that you view yourself and your role here on this earth. So we're going to be talking about priesthood. And right there, I probably lost a whole bunch of you because that's the last thing you think of when you think of yourself. I am not a priest. Matt, you're the pastor. You can go ahead and preach and teach and and, and I'll study those things out for myself, but I don't view myself as a priest. But the Bible has so much to say about this topic. So before we dive into that, I kind of want to take a step back because I mentioned this is our identity. And identity is something that's so important because it dictates our actions, right? How we view ourselves dictates how we communicate with someone, how we engage with someone, the career that we go after. There's a whole litany of things. So we have to get identity right. And we have to stop looking at the world for our identity. We must look to the Lord, right, who redeems and restores and changes the labels that have been put on us by the world, by our teachers and our coaches, and even sometimes our parents that don't line up with Scripture. The Bible says this in James 1, 23, 25, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This scripture is essentially telling us that we must look into the mirror of scripture to see our true reflection. I remember a while ago watching a movie um, called Shawshank Redemption. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go watch this movie, um, but I had already seen it, and I think it's one of the most uh, 
rented movies of all time. So most people that are watching this or listening to this have probably seen this movie. Interestingly enough, a little tie into Maine, it was written, it was taken from a story that was written by Stephen King that lives here um, in Bangor. And most people equate Stephen King with horror movies, but he's also written many other stories that are just, you know, outside of the horror genre. Anyway, that was a little rabbit trail um, for you guys. But in the story, there's a man, you know, that, get, that has committed a crime, committed a murder, and he finds himself uh, imprisoned for the majority of his life. I think it was something like 40, 50 years of his life. And finally, he's released. Okay, this isn't even the primary character, but it's one of the, it's one of the main characters in the story. And he gets a job at a grocery store. And uh, this man has freedom now because he's been imprisoned all these years, but he finds himself... He's in the grocery store and, he's, and he, he raises his hand and he asks his boss, do I have permission to use the bathroom? And the boss has to take him off to the side and say, hey, you don't have to ask me every time that you have to go to the bathroom. Just go when you need to go. But it brings up an interesting point that because this man was incarcerated his whole life, all he, he saw the world through a prisoner perspective. Even though now he had served his time, he was a free man, he still viewed himself as a prisoner. Therefore, the laws and the rules that were put on him in that prison, he was still living and operating by. Does that make sense? I believe that the world puts certain stigmas, certain rules on us. And as we give our lives to Christ, as we submit to the Lordship of Jesus, he's called us to be set apart. We have been found freedom that we are no longer slave to our impulses, to our addictions, to, our, um, to, the, to, the, to the enemy in this world. But because our mind still thinks in that way, we operate out of that prisoner perspective instead of someone that has been set free from those things. Another analogy, maybe this is the one that I should have kicked off in the beginning, but there are many stories about how they will tie an elephant to a rope or a chain and uh, bolt it into the ground and maybe the elephant can only travel, uh, you know, 15 meters. And so the, the elephant, you know, will go to bed, wake up, knowing that it can only travel 15 meters. It'll kind of test, see how far it can get. And then if you do that for so long, after, let's say, five years, you can remove that tether and the elephant will not move beyond that 15 meters. Why? Because it has that prisoner perspective. It's tried that. It just knows. It's ingrained in their mind. This is as far as I can go. And I think many um, believers, they give their lives to Christ and they, and they sing about freedom and they, and they read about freedom, but they don't understand the freedom that's been given them. But the Bible says in... 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the ex excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Notice we were talking about priesthood, but before we get to that, it doesn't just say priesthood, it says royal priesthood, right? So we have to kind of, what does that word royal mean? When I, when I share that, you probably, the only royalty that we can even equate it to 
is over in England, right? Like the queen, because this is something that was like common vernacular in that day. They had kings and queens, and, and we've kind of moved out of that. So let's define that word royal. It means having the status of a king or a queen or a member of their family. Royalty is defined that people of royal blood or status. Why is this important? Because scripture is telling us that we are now a royal priesthood. Revelation 19.16 tells us that we have been adopted into the royal family of the king of kings. So I, I think there's so many people that don't understand that we have been adopted into this family. Therefore, by adoption, we are entitled to certain rights. Ephesians 1.5 says that we've been adopted into sonship with Christ. Just so you know, I'm not taking some obscure scripture. Romans 8.17, now if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Three times Paul is trying to emphasize this point that do you understand that you are now heirs with God, heirs with Christ, meaning that you have been adopted into that family and just as God is royalty, you are now royalty on this earth as ambassadors of the kingdom, right? Revelation 5.10 says this, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, they have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Okay, many of us don't see ourselves as reigning here on this earth. We have a low view of ourselves, but the Bible says that we are bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, that we are created in his image. So we have to have this paradigm shift in regards to our identity, because again, if we understand our identity, we won't be like what scripture warned us of someone that says, okay, yeah, I'm royalty, but then walks away and forgets who they are. I find it interesting as you study the life of Jesus, one of the common questions that you'll see that rises to the top that the Pharisees always had after Jesus performed a miracle or after Jesus preached a message was this, by what authority are you doing these things, right? They had a hard time because they were like, okay, Jesus was coming out of Nazareth, right? Um, you know, he, he, was, he was a carpenter. What authority is he speaking with uh, from? And how is he able to walk in these signs, wonders, and miracles? But the, uh, we know, having read scripture, that he was under the authority of his heavenly father, right? But here's the point that I'm trying to make. Now that, and Peter says that we are part of a royal priesthood, we are now carry on that same royalty. We now speak with that same authority because we are under God's authority, right? It's just like the Roman centurion when the Roman centurion encountered Jesus and said, Jesus, my servant is dreadfully ill. Can you go and heal him or can you heal him? And Jesus said, take me to your servant. And the Roman centurion said, I am not worthy that you should come under my home, but I too 
am a man under authority. And I know that I can say to the soldier, go, and he goes, and I can say to the soldier, come, and he comes. I recognize the authority that's on you, Jesus, from your heavenly Father. And I know that all you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus marveled when he heard his faith and said, I haven't found this great a faith in all of Israel. Now, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd be willing to bet that that Roman centurion heard far less scripture than his disciples. Yet he said that this man had more faith than all of his disciples. Because where did he find the disciples? In Israel. It was because of the Roman centurion's understanding of authority. He's under Caesar's authority, therefore he can speak. And it's as if Caesar himself is speaking. And this is the point that while I'm trying to get across, and scripture is trying to get across, that we are now adopted into a royal priesthood and we represent the King of Kings here on this earth. And so when we speak, we speak with not our authority, but his authority. So I wanna take the next few minutes, okay, because we've unpacked that we are royalty, okay? But I wanna, I wanna take the next few minutes to unpack this idea of being a priest, because that's where probably where I lost most of you. You don't view yourself as a, as a priest. But let's define what a priest is. A priest is a mediatory agent between people and God. That's like the definition if you go look it up. In other words, someone who approaches God on behalf of the people. Right, And so we read about this all throughout the Old Testament. In Israel, they would go to the priest. They would have their sacrifices. They would try to communicate a message through the priest to God, or God would speak to the priest to them. But the beautiful thing is, is that now Jesus has torn the veil. And so we all have unbroken fellowship and access to Jesus. But we are the ambassadors that are here on the earth for those that are far from God, from those that the veil of decep deception is still covering their eyes. And so we serve as someone that can go to God on their behalf and connect them with God. We are a royal priesthood. Now, before we have any business of going and connecting people with God, we have to make sure that we're connected, right? Because we can only give what we got. It's kind of like when you fly on a plane, they say the first thing you need to do is put on your oxygen mask. And you're like, oh, even before my child? Yeah, because if you don't have oxygen, right, you can't help your child. So you have to make sure that you have are taking advantage of, and that's maybe the wrong word, but that you are leaning into that access that you have with God. As priests, we must understand that we stand as ambassadors pointing people to the kingdom. More importantly, pointing people to God. The reality is that most people out there, the only scriptures that they will ever hear okay, will come off of your lips. The world isn't running in droves to the church. That's why God called us to be salt and light in the world, but not of the world. And as we shine our light and share our witness, it piques people's curiosity and the spirit that dwells on the, and the inside of them yearns for this. They were hardwired to, to find God. And as a result of that, we invite them into church. We invite them into the body.
So we have a mandate to know the word of God so that we can be his ambassadors. Can you imagine if there was an ambassador of the United States, okay, and they didn't know like basic things about the United States. So here they are in Japan representing the United States. And they said, you know, they're asking questions, where is your capital? And they're like, mm, I don't really know. Who is your president? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it's President Biden. I'm not, but can you imagine an ambassador that represented the United States that knew absolutely nothing about the United States. And so as we are called sons and daughters of God, we have, and we are part of royalty, we are adopted into that family, we have a responsibility to learn our heritage, to study our lineage so that we can share with the world the beauty of God's kingdom and his intended purpose on this earth, which is what people are searching for. So as a priest, okay, you don't have to get a collar with a little, you know, black and the white. You have to study and know God's word because that is how God views you going into the world, being an ambassador, representing and having the word of God on your tongue so that at the right time you can share those eternal truths. So my takeaway for you today is to take heart and walk confidently as a royal priesthood, to go and to search those scriptures out for yourself and invite the Holy Spirit into the, that, that quiet time to illuminate and to bring to life, to bring that revealed knowledge to your spirit so you can see yourself the way that God sees you. Going back to that crude analogy that I gave at the beginning, the boss saw that man as a free man, but he still saw himself as a prisoner having to raise his hand and ask for permission to use the bathroom. And there are so many in the body of Christ who have been set free, right, by the blood of Jesus, but are still walking in bondage because they don't understand their identity and they don't understand their 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 identity okay i was having a hard time pronouncing that they don't understand their identity because they are not in the word they are more familiar with the lies that have been spoken over them the labels that have been attached to them than they are with their new lineage the new family that they've been adopted into i'll end with this first john 4 17 says this because as he is who's he jesus because as jesus is so are we in this world we must, as a body of Christ, recognize that we carry and steward the authority that has been placed on Jesus as ambassadors of the kingdom, that we are a royal priesthood, that we have been called to be set apart in holiness above the entanglement and the snares of this world so that our lives through action 
and word can point people to Jesus. So it is an imperative that we understand and know what God's word says about us so that we aren't someone that looks at our reflection in the mirror, walks away, and completely forgets when we find ourselves in the throes of life. But if we study, if we meditate on God's word, and don't let that word scare you, meditate literally is the digestive, the digestive system of the soul. So as you think about and ponder those scriptures, they go from your head and they sink down into your heart. And when you find yourself in a situation that might have been confusing had you not had the word, you remember. You remember who you are. You remember that sin no longer has control over you, that you no longer have those appetites and you're strengthened and your spirit is quickened to do the right thing, to lean upon the grace of God that takes you beyond your natural ability in those moments so that you can point people to Jesus. I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that's listening, that's watching. I pray that something lit up on the inside of them, and I pray that they would have the grace and the strength and the discipline to go search those things out for themselves, and that Holy Spirit, you would meet them in those intimate times, and that you would change their perspective of how they view themselves to how you view them, and that they would go into this world pointing people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.